had a good session this past session, and I think that that will provide a, a great baseline of where to begin our work this coming year. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session. Got to have the ability to get their product to market. As long as you're performing, we want to be behind you pushing. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Catool, and I'm writing solo again today. Uh, rest assured that my co-host Will Craft will be back with us soon enough. Uh, we like to mention when these episodes, the legislative episodes, are being recorded, March 28th today, and we're kind of on the watch for the end of the 2023 legislative session. Uh, that's set to wrap up pretty soon, we believe. Uh, today's guest is State Representative Manley Barton. He represents District 109, and that's George and Jackson counties down there on the coast. Representative Barton, thank you so much. I know it's a busy time for coming and speaking with us. Uh, this is a busy time for uh, trying to trying to get the session over. Yeah. There we go. We're all on the same page there for sure. So as a first-time guest, uh, we're going we're gonna to get you a softball real quick. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why did you decide to run for public office? Well, I've lived in Jackson County pretty much all my life and uh, worked for Chevron and uh, traveled a lot with Chevron. And so it was, I was interested in public service and, and served on a number of appointed boards uh, locally for a number of years and uh, 1998 decided to run for county supervisor and so I did uh, in 99 ran for supervisor got elected and chose at that point I had 29 years with Chevron so I took an early retirement and worked as a supervisor full-time um, served in that role as, as supervisor for three terms 12 years and uh, was interested in the legislature and the guy who represented our area was a good friend of mine, and he decided to retire 12 years ago. And so uh, he and I talked, and so I gave up the supervisor role and ran for the legislature, and, um, and was fortunate enough to uh, get elected. And so, um, so I've served 12 years in the legislature, and I'm running unopposed this year. So I'll be here at least four more years. So. There you go. That's great. It's always one of my favorite things, speaking to legislators, public, uh, public officials, servants, uh, just how they kind of got to where they, they are today. That's, that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, briefly, can you kind of take us through where we are in the uh, legislative session right now? I know we're at the end, but what, what's going on? Well, the, uh, if you look at, the, at the, what we call the legislative deadline calendar, we are, we're at the very end. Uh, uh, we have a uh, – there's some – hard deadlines that uh, one of them was actually yesterday for all comp uh, appropriation conference reports to be filed not only filed but passed well we ended up with quite a few that did not get passed yesterday so effectively they're dead uh, but it's there's ways to revive them and and one of the ways to revive them is move the uh, the date for sine die out a couple of days and so this morning, we actually passed a resolution that does just that. It moves it uh, from April the 2nd to April the 4th, which also moves the deadlines. So they're very uh, working hard today trying to get the rest of the appropriation conference reports done and filed so that we can bring them up today. Uh, or uh, we still have tomorrow. I mean, we could do it tomorrow if we had to. So, but, but obviously, we'd like to get it 
finish today if we can. So, and and then we'll we also have a lot of general bills, uh, conference reports that are still hanging out. And and now we have till I think Thursday to pass those. So we have a couple more days to get all those off the calendar. Excellent, excellent. We need to we need to end this thing. We're with you right there. <laughs> we, we all want to go home. <laughs> Absolutely, get home get home to. Uh, to your families and everything. So, listen, we were talking a little bit before the show, and this is something maybe my generation doesn't appreciate as much, uh, military military service. So you were a part of the U.S. Army and served in the Vietnam War. Can you kind of tell me about that experience? Uh, that would take a little while probably to tell you much. But you go. I got drafted uh, in December of 1968. Uh, of course, that was at the height of the Vietnam War. Um actually went in the Army, I think maybe the last day of February, uh, went through basic training at Fort Pope, Louisiana, went to uh, advanced training, uh, what they call advanced infantry training in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia. Um, spent, I think it was eight or nine weeks, both places, and then uh, had a little time at home and uh, flew to Vietnam on the 3rd of August of 1969. And... Uh, came home August the 2nd of 1970. So I spent 365 days in Vietnam. I was, wow. I was in a, uh, <clears throat> I was in a helicopter outfit called the 227th Assault Helicopter Battalion, part of the 1st Cav. And so I was a, ref what they call a forward refueler. So I spent a lot of time in the field, uh, manning, refueling points, rearming points uh, for gunships and for medevac ships or any other, anybody else that needed fuel they would come in to wherever we were. So we spent a lot of time uh, at these forward bases uh, uh, providing fuel for whoever, you know, came in and out. But it was uh, it was an interesting year. No doubt. That's amazing. Uh, that's pretty cool stuff right there. Do you think that uh, this experience in the military has kind of helped you kind of in your in the private sector and then as a legislator? Did you kind of learn or, or take anything from that? Yeah. I, um, you know, in, in the Army, uh, especially in Vietnam, you didn't, you weren't necessarily asked if you wanted to go someplace. They would just say, okay, tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, you're going to be at the flight line, and sure. they're going to fly you out someplace that you maybe never been. And you really didn't know what to expect. You know, you didn't know what was coming or whatever. Um, I think it, I think it did give me a lot of skills that I used later on in terms of working with other people and, um, because, because I did have to work with a lot of people in many cases that I really didn't know very well. Uh, sure. I was representing my battalion uh, maybe at a fire support base out uh, in some place, and I'd be the only person there from my unit. And so I was working with a lot of people many times that I really didn't know very well or maybe had just met, you know, be there for a week or two, and then you'd go somewhere else, you know, kind of start all over. But it... But it was um, you. You I took. You had to take on a lot of leadership roles, um, just because of the situation you were in. You didn't have a choice. You know, they didn't ask me if I wanted to do it. They, they just said you need to go do this, and and you'd get on the helicopter and you'd go and you you'd try to do the best job you could. You know, but, uh, but no, I think um, I think some of the independence that you were in the role that I was in. Uh, probably helped me later on to, to be able to do things uh, myself without having to, uh, uh, without having to ask other people what to do. I'd figure it out if I had to, you know. But yeah, I, I, I look back on that time. Uh, it wasn't all fun, but 
Sure. But I think I did learn a lot, even about myself, you know. No doubt. Again, Representative Barton, thank you so much for your service. That's that's really good stuff. So want to shift uh, back to the legislative stuff a little bit. So I, I understand you're committee chair of the Local and Private Legislation Committee. Can you kind of give us a little overview of that committee and, and what's going on right now? We are, I think, I think we handled the last bill yesterday uh, from local and private for this term, for this session. Uh, local and private is a, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the only committee that is required by the Constitution, by the Mississippi Constitution. Um, uh, I think it's Section, eight, uh, section 87 in the Constitution, and then for four or five sections, it talks about what you do in local and private. The reason you have local and private is in in the Mississippi legis in the Mississippi Constitution, it it literally goes into there's a list of things that cannot be done by local and private legislation. There's a list you can't you can't grant someone a divorce, for instance, in local and private legislation. You can't. There's a bunch of things you can't do, but it really doesn't go into a lot of what you can do. It just says you can't do these things, and it literally defines what the local and private committee will look like, number, the number of p committee members and so forth in the Senate and the House. Um, and then it kind of leaves open what you can do. Well, a lot of people would think, well, if they don't, if they say, if they don't say you can't do it, you ought to be able to. Well, that's, that's not the way it works. All it's saying is, is if, 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 you, if it literally says you can't do it, you can't do it. But if it doesn't say you can't do it, you can do it if you get permission from the legislature. So we get, this year we got about 100 bills from cities and counties all over the state for different things. Um, a, a donation from a county or a city is prohibited by law. It's considered a, um, it's considered a donation. You can't donate money or whatever to anybody is uh, the state auditor would call it a prohibited donation so so they will come to us and with a, a bill and say for instance uh pick a county jackson county that's where i live they would might send a bill up that says look we want to give uh five hundred dollars to the united way okay and it would be in a bill i would present the bill on the floor we'd vote on it and then once it passed and the governor signed it jackson county can give they can give them $500. But but they couldn't give that money because it's considered a prohibited donation unless they get permission. And so it's a laundry list of things that they come and ask us to do. Like I say, we probably have 100 bills this year that deals with everything from expanding water and sewer districts to, um, to donations to taxing, putting a tax on to build a ballpark. I mean, so, so it's – and to the members – it's one of the more important committees because they can bring things from their community to that community, get it passed, and and do something and be able to go home and say, I was able to get this done or that done, you know, to help maybe the hometown or their county or whatever. So the members look at the committee as a very important committee to them. And so, but, but in the role at chairman, I've been chairman eight years uh, of that committee, um, you literally work with every member of the House, every member of the House, uh, Democrat, Republican, didn't matter. Um, and we try to try to treat everybody the same. You, if you've got an issue with your city or your county or whatever, we're going to try to do what we can to help you 
go home and help your your community. That's fascinating. Always always love to do the podcast because definitely get an education, and, and that's really cool on that on that committee. So let's talk about some other legislative topics. Uh, what what else is on your mind when it came comes to the twenty twenty three legislative session? Well, we've you know we've had a um, the last couple of years we've had a good bit of um, career and technical uh, education types of uh, pro- projects that we've tried to do both at the community college level and at the high school level. Businesses have really uh, stepped up in the last, I'd say last four or five years in particular, uh, trying to get us to, or get the state legislature in particular, to put more emphasis into um, career and technical training as opposed to just college. And and so, and, and that's been kind of a national trend. It's not just here, but it's, it's all over the country. Um, and, and I guess the, 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 the thought behind that is, is everybody doesn't necessarily need to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we kind of headed down that college-only path for a good many years, and, and I think a lot of people fell by the wayside. The career and technical uh, component here, uh, we kind of started through the workforce uh, development uh, effort a few years ago. Uh, trying to uh, figure out exactly what we could do to help the workforce development stuff. A lot of that workforce training at that time was being done at community colleges at some level. And if you go back to when I was in school, I mean, that's been a long time ago, but, you know, everybody took vocational-type training. Even if you were going to go to college, you took some vocational stuff. Uh, I was at a small school, Van Cleve, and, and, and so we had an ag class that, that – was kind of everything. It, it included building cabinets and carpentry stuff, and, and it, it included going out and helping some of the farmers with uh, with cattle and hogs and that kind of stuff. So you got a little bit of everything. And and so we we had really kind of gotten away from that, I think, at, especially at the high school level. And, and so now we're trying to reintroduce that career and technical training back to the high school level and then the community college had already started picking some of that up. And so, so we're really spending a lot of our time at, at the high school level trying to get programs restarted that used to exist but doesn't exist today or, or maybe helping them upgrade their facilities, their equipment, and that type of stuff, maybe at an existing vocational program or career and technical program. At the, at the community college level, they've taken it kind of a step further. They, they offer a lot of those basic what I call basic skills uh, that are used in the workforce, everything from welding to pipe fitting and those types of things, electrical. Um, but then they've also got over into the health science area with nurse training and, and, and uh, not only registered nurses, but also the, uh, what they call the licensed practical nurse, the LPNs, and other uh, radiologists. I mean, there's a number of things in that healthcare field that, uh, that are non-nursing. And so they are spending more and more of their time to try to create programs for someone who wants to work in the healthcare field but maybe doesn't want to go through a four-year program to be a registered nurse. And so we've put a lot of time and effort the last few years. We've spent a lot of time this year, and we've, that's one of the things that's still hanging out this year. We've got a list of things we want to do this year fund, and, um, and that, that bill hadn't come out yet. So we're still working on what that's going to look like and how much money we're going to spend this year in that area. We spent about $54 million last year 
between the high schools and the community colleges nursing program. This year, we the request are this less than that. We're some forty million dollars, I think, or forty-one, forty-two million this year in terms of request. But we've not we've not finalized that program yet. But that's that's something that I have worked a lot on the last uh, few years. Um, there's a there's a kind of a companion program to it. It's not really connected through the Office of Workforce called Career Coaches. These are people that we pay, state pays, in high schools, and they're kind of like a counselor, but they don't work for the high school. They, they, they work at the high school, but they don't work for the school system. They work for the state. Gotcha. And so, so what they do when people come in, they help them, kind of like the, uh, the, the old uh, counselor that we had when I was in school. These people go a little further because they've got relationships with industry. And so what they do is they, they meet with the students, they talk to them about what their uh, interests are, what, their, what they think may be a, a potential career path type thing. And then the coach kind of marries them up with uh, industries that kind of support the types of jobs or the things that, that the career coach thinks they might be interested in. And since the career coach doesn't work with the school system, uh, they go out into the community, and they're part of the uh, the Rotary Clubs, and they're car part of the, like in our county, Jackson County Economic Development Group, the people that sit on that board also are part of Ingalls Shipyard, Chevron Refinery, Halter Marine, Bollinger Shipyard. So even down to uh, uh, the, the power company, Mississippi Power, down there we have Singing River Power, which is one of our EPAs. Well, they all have representation in, on that uh, economic development group. So when the career coaches are talking to these kids, they have contacts in every single one of those industries. So they can get them tours, they can get them interviews, they can, you know. So, you know, many times these kids uh, that, that have gone through these, with these career coaches um, will get, uh, you know, they, they may graduate on Friday and go to work on Monday. Wow. So it's so it it it's paying off, and 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 the industry loves it, and so to the point they're willing to help pay for some of it. So we we put uh, eight million dollars last year into that program statewide. We really need probably twice that. We to to fully fund everything. Put a career coach in every single high school is about sixteen million dollars. So we we put eight in there last year. This year we're going to have twelve. So. So we're headed in that direction. We're, I think, we're we're making progress, um, and but it's but it's a it's an ongoing thing. It's something we're going to continue to work on. Um, but the last several years, that's that's probably the uh, single thing that I probably worked on more than I have anything else. Uh, but that's something I enjoy, and it it's something I think is real important. No doubt, no doubt. I know that the brain drain is kind of a huge conversation these days. So that's yeah. got to kind of help out with that a little bit, huh? Right, right. Excellent. Well, we want those kids to stay here. I'm with you. I, I tell all my friends, let's stay in Mississippi. Let's yeah. do it right here for sure. So let's uh, let's talk, uh, go back to the district a little bit. So what kind of projects are, are going on in uh, District 109 right now, transportation projects? Uh, well, we've got uh, the Highway 57 four-laning. Uh, it starts at I-10, goes north, uh, actually will bypass Van Cleve just a little bit, tie in at the, um, I guess, the George County, Stone County line up on north of us. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very heavily traveled two-lane road today. 
uh, and it's and it's a traffic problem almost every day. There's school, uh, major high school right there. Uh, so in the mornings, it's very, very crowded, people going to work. It is the only way to get out of town. So you have to go that way. And uh, so we have, a, uh, we have to have a bridge project just north of Van Cleve that ties the Van Cleve side of the river uh, on, the, on the west uh, to the Hurley-Wade area on the east into a four-lane highway over there, which Highway 63. Well, normally, some, especially the people who live very far north of Van Cleve, uh, can go across that road to get to a 63, which is the four-lane highway, to go into town, get to go to work, whatever. Well, that bridge is, has been closed for a while. There's actually two bridges on that road. Both of them are going to be replaced this year. The first one has already been replaced, but they're fixing to shut the second one down. And when it does, it's actually open for just a little while, and they're going to close it again, and it's going to be closed for over a year this next time while they take down the, the big bridge over the Pascoe River. But that area right now is isolated in the sense that the only way they have to get out of there is, is go all the way to Highway 26 north or go all the way to Interstate 10 south. And if you go south, obviously you've got to go through Van Cleve and, and you, you, you hit that traffic and it's, it's just really, really bad. And so this four lane is going to do two things. It's going to alleviate the traffic for the people north of, of Van Cleve and it's a fairly large population up there. Um, and then the second thing it's going to do is going to give us another hurricane evacuation route uh, to get away from the coast, get to basically at Highway 98. And, and uh, so there will still be a section in there that's still two-lane. But, but the main thing is getting them by Bankley, getting them north, and then they can get on that two-lane, get to 98, and then they can go in any direction they want to go in. So, but it's, that's, it's a big deal. And we've been waiting on this project. I've been in legislature 12 years, and we had hearings on this when I was still a county supervisor. So it's wow. been it's been at least 10 or 12 years in the in the making in the in the uh, the study to begin with about what the advantages would be. Of course, buying all the right of way and defining all the right of way to begin with. And so um, it's been a it's it's been an ongoing process. We were uh, my wife. I have a a, do a son and a son-in-law and a grandson who lives over in that area and. We were over there just the other day to pick him up, and I noticed the construction already going on. I mean, they're cutting trees down and pushing stuff up, and all the equipment was over there. So we, uh, I said, and, and that, in fact, my, my first thought was, I said, they must have started on the road, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. You know, I knew they were going to, but, you know, but it was, uh, but it looks good, and, and, and a lot of other people have seen the work and have asked, are, are they really starting on 57, you know, so. So there's a lot of interest in it. Good deal. We're, we're really happy that project is is rolling. And uh, you mentioned hurricane uh, evacuation route. It's going to be hurricane season before we know it. So you know, stay tuned to MDOT social media. We'll have a lot of information, hurricane evacuation routes and things like that. So Representative Barton, we have uh, covered a lot of ground, but we do have one more question. It's our favorite sure. question. So I know that, you know, as a legislator, you travel the state of Mississippi quite a bit. So when you're out on Mississippi highways, where's your favorite place or places to grab a bite to eat? Well, uh, if I'm here in Jackson, one of my favorite places to eat lunch is Martin's. It's very, uh, they have a very good, very broad menu. I'll just put it that way. So you can eat there almost every day and eat something different, you know, and the food's good and it's quick. Um, you know, at home, we, of course, I live in a fairly rural area, but we have two restaurants in our little town. Uh, one's called Sassy's, and, 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 and the other's called the Hurley Huddle. 
huddle. And it's okay. it's it was they built it as a, like it's kind of like a sports bar. They got all the TVs and around mm-hmm. the room, and and they uh, the food's great. And uh, of course, it's a small town, so um, so so you run into practically everybody you know while you're there. You know, and in, in, in both of those restaurants, and we know the people who own them, and you know, it's it's almost like a family. When you go there, because you see so many people you know, you know, and and uh, but but the food is great. Um, in in Loosedale, we used to um, uh, go up there a good bit. My my mother, when she was way on up in age, she was in a nursing home up there for a period of time, and we found a little restaurant downtown called the Landmark, and uh, we just fell in love with it. I mean, the food's great, and it's it's a real cozy atmosphere, you know. So my wife and I still go up there, you know, about once every four or five weeks we'll we'll say, Well let's run up to Loosedale tonight and eat at Landmark, you know. But you but you're right, there's some great restaurants around the state and, and you can just almost any little town I love catfish and, and so there's a lot of good fried catfish places, you know, uh, there's one just south of Buckatuna or uh, you know, that that uh, that's really good. I've only eaten there a couple of times but and it it it's an hour and a half from my house. So it's not something that I would drive up there for necessarily, but we've come through there a time or two when it was supper, you know, and we we pull in there and eat, you know, and the food's great. And uh, but yeah, this is uh, Mississippi's, I think, known for their uh, for their cuisine and and a uh, and and good food, you know, a lot of home cooking in particular, you know. So, but I but yeah, I, I'm a I love to eat. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, we're adding all those places to the list, and I'm with you. There's I wouldn't live anyplace else. Mississippi has the best food, best music, too, in my opinion, as oh, well. Yeah. Well, Representative Barton, like I said, we've covered a lot of ground. I know it's a busy time. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been, been good. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Extra Mile podcast. Remember, you can watch and listen to episodes by visiting goemdot.com forward slash the extra mile. You can follow us on social media, at Mississippi DOT is the handle there. We always want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, our editor, Drew Hall. We'll wrap things there. Remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi Highways.